This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. I know this story. That's the story that every Korean Christian church would tell us to see like what you're really about. Tell about that one girl, the little girl who walked up, took her hair down and started wiping the spit away with her hair. Right. Right. And that was the thing that everybody would start bawling and crying. Well, let me tell you about me. When I heard that stuff, I was like, I would have spit on the (laughs) fire. Seriously. That's what I in five four three two one what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the genius brain podcast we have our esteemed guest ed park vp once again and i swear to fucking baby jesus we are going to talk about tenant <laughs> how many times have we like said we were going to three and... sessions we fucked yeah. this up <laughs> so this is this is a very so if you guys are listening to this podcast this podcast is literally just about anything and everything but one of the things that i do like doing is doing film breakdowns um and this is a film i need broken down to the to the max because <laughs> tenant is one of the most confusing films i've ever seen in my life Right, and I watched Tenant twice because I was going to Hawaii. Yeah, I went to Hawaii twice in the last month, and I watched it two times over, and I still don't fucking get it. Yeah, right. I still don't. Fu- it got to the point where when I was looking at the film, I was thinking that this motherfucker just did this to confuse us. Yeah, you, you son of a bitch. The the hard part is that it is kind of convoluted, but in a sense of like, uh, let's say time what do you call it he's fucking up time yeah like it it actually makes sense in the order it comes in yeah and the the thing is like whenever christopher nolan makes movies he makes it to be rewatchable you're supposed to see it over and over again which i love but i think the biggest confusion is that everyone keeps thinking it's about time travel right time travel yeah i think it's about film editing okay so uh you kind of look at a a director's body of work to kind of see a bigger picture of what they're trying to make sometimes with a lot of auteurs, like even um, well, Pulp let's, Fiction. Let's tell people about the premise of this okay. film first, right? Yeah. So, I mean, what is the premise of this film? Like it's Tenet is about... <laughs> yeah. This is where I have trouble explaining it, right? Right. Because if it's not about time travel... Even the way it started off confused the fuck out of me, right? Right. I don't know what the fuck is going on. There's secret agents that are happening here. This guy is a very particular secret that's really good at what he does. He somehow, he gets knocked out. It was like a test. It wasn't real for something else. It was a cyanide pill um, that he thought was going to kill him. But it was a test to prove that he's willing to give it up Mm -hmm. and not give up his men. Yeah. So they bring him into this tenant organization, right? And he starts kind of figuring out, oh, he's got to find this plutonium. 
But as the movie goes on, we find out it's not plutonium. It's a device that reverses entropy. <laughs> and it gets to that part where he has to go see that scientist, mm -hmm. right? And then what does she say? Don't think about it. <laughs> that was the part where at that point, I'm like, fuck Christopher Nolan, you son of a bitch. I think it's... I had to pause it. <laughs> I paused it. And I went, wait, what did she just explain? So in this part of the film, they're at a shooting range, right? Mm -hmm. And there are specific slots that have these items that went through a certain process that allows things to be to go in reverse in time. Right. Specifically, it's a weapon. It's a gun, mm -hmm. right? So you see this person, the scientist, bring, bring out a gun. The, the bullet loads up, reverses, and it shoots. But when it shoots, the bullet comes back into the right. gun this way. Right. And she goes through this short diatribe about what this thing is about. And then she goes, don't think about it. Right. Fuck you. What the fuck, man? <laughs> it's basically Nolan saying to the audience. You're not going to get it. Dude. Suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. Right here. Just, just don't even think about it. Just mm -hmm. let it ride the wave. But as I watch the movie, I kind of see it as an entire collection of his movies, even starting from Memento. Right? Memento. That's his OG, OG one, dude. Yeah. So what was so special about Memento? Um, the movie was fucking backwards, too. Yeah. It was his first instance of trying to tell about this, uh, this disorder, this condition that he has with his amnesia or whatnot, um, but told it in a way through film editing, right? Uh, that told this story backwards, but still made sense, mm -hmm. right? And it had this crazy rewatchability where you can watch it over and over. And from the, when you watch it again, the beginning, something makes more sense because you already kind of know where it's going. And it's one of those movies where you can watch it backwards and forwards. And I think he won um, an Oscar for, uh, I think, Best Screenplay, Original Screenplay okay. for that. And one of his like movies after that was The Prestige. Have you seen The Prestige yet? I didn't see it yet. So it's about two magicians, right, who are rivals who fight each other in the turn of the... Uh, what do you call it? The 20th century, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's like 1899 or some shit. And that was the movies of the day because there's no film, right? They they set up and like show an act of magic, but they show it like it's filmmaking, like directing and pre-production and how to make great tricks. Yeah. I think it's a whole allegory for filmmaking and directing where Hugh Jackman's character is the showman, right? He's the Nolan that made fucking Dark Knight, Batman Begins, and all mm -hmm. those blockbuster mm -hmm. action movies, right? It's all the show and the technology, right? And this big front so that it brings people in, right? Blockbusters. But then there's the Nolan who's just simple and makes like Memento, no CGI, just straight from the script, mm -hmm. right? But who did he write the script with? He wrote it with his brother, Jonathan Nolan. You know, and yeah. that's the whole part with uh, these clone kind of things in the movie where he's battling with himself between being this blockbuster guy and an auteur, mm. you know, and then you keep going on to like Inception, right? Which also is a very fucking confusing movie. And it's a movie about making movies. Mm. What is a dream, right? What are film? You know, if, if you really think about it, films our dreams, they're dream simulators. We mm. really just made up what we thought in our head and we put it on the screen. That's the closest thing we get to dream simulation. Mm. And what we're saying when we make 
like films, when we see these things, we're sharing our dreams to our friends, right? We're saying we hope you share this dream too, and make you might. Some people might think like your fans when they see a film, like that's my story too, right? They got incepted, right?、Mm. <laughs> so like, what's his name?、Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. If you look at him in that movie, and you look at Christopher Nolan. He's dressed just like Nolan. He looks like Christopher Nolan. Oh yeah,、movie. yeah, 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 yeah. The slick back hair、mm-hmm. and all of his attire, and so he's a director.、Uh, Ken Watanabe, billionaire who buys an entire like airline so they can they can have a plane. He's the executive director who's putting all this shit together. He wants this, you know, this、mm-hmm. stuff from this guy. And then、um, you have Ellen Page, where she's the set designer, right? Tom Hardy is the actor. JGL is the assistant director, you know, and it goes on and on. Like these people, and even Maul, right? His his dead wife who keeps like fucking shit up. Yeah, his that's his trauma of a failed Inception, where the audience hated his movie,、mm. right? A flop, like Insomnia. The、mm. way he's trying to make other movies, but every, he keeps having this flop in the back of his head. How much the audience. Got the wrong idea about the movie and what it does to them and how it affects him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Huh? His movies are allegories to making movies, right? So、mm. what's his next movie after that? What did he have to tell? Interstellar, right? Now it's not particularly about making movies, but it is one of the most closest scientific kind of、uh, things about like black holes and wormholes and the fifth dimension. Because by the end of it, what's actually going on when he goes into that? Black hole. What is Christopher Nolan trying to show us? What's the plot of the movie? That fifth dimensional beings sent the wormhole to us, third dimensional beings, right? So that we can travel through time the way they see it. Because in the fifth dimension, if you look at our time, and he's in that his daughter's bedroom, right? Yeah.、And、he's seeing all of these times in life. It's linear. Yeah. He's outside of it, and he can affect it and manipulate that space time. Yeah. Right. And he was trying to show, like, visually show that in Interstellar. Then, what's his next movie? Dunkirk. What's one of the, like, the the temporal pincer move? Isn't that one of the things where two teams going forward and backwards come together yeah, yeah, yeah. to hit this one point, right? So they can do this heist.、Mm-hmm. He already pulled that idea out in Dunkirk. Because he was using his editing in that film of three different times, of three different events going on, but happening, they pincer right, they come together、mm. right in the third act. And so when I see this movie, right, yeah, this is where where I I feel like a crazy man because、yeah. I've seen this movie like five six times now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I think it's his allegory to film editing. What if so interstellar fifth dimensional beings and third dimensional beings that. A way to edit their timeline. They keep saying someone from the future sends them like、uh, this technology or whatever,、mm-hmm. right? And what do they figure out how to go forwards and backwards in time? I think it's like a th- they know they're two dimensional beings in a film because they keep saying what happened has happened, right? And so that means they know they're in this editing linear time. Like when you open up Premiere Pro, right? The entire beginning to end is there. Yeah. And you can scroll through it with the the, the jog wheel, right? Yeah. The timeline thing. I think the technology is the edit jog wheel. 
they gave these characters in the movie the ability to go forwards and backwards on the film reel mm. in time. But you see, they're not like jumping back and forth like Back to the Future or Avengers. Yeah. They're rolling backwards, mm-hmm. right? So, what, but what happens, happens, right? These things were kind of predetermined, which means like when you shoot something, you can't like change it unless like you use your editing tricks, right? Unless you go and reshoot it. And so it's one of these things when you say what's happened, happened, there's no reshoots. Yeah, I think because in Tenet, when I was watching it too, when they go into the machine, the quote unquote time machine, right? Yeah. And they're going through everything backwards. Once they get back to the present time, the future didn't change. Did it? It didn't change, right? It didn't. It didn't change, which is something very odd that you don't see in time time films. Right. In time films, typically what happens is somebody goes back into the past and it's the butterfly effect. Right. Where one small thing is a ripple effect that changes the, the outcome of the future. Right. And this one, it didn't really have much of that. It was, they would intervene like crazy. Right. And then it would still be the same. I yeah. think that would dwell with like the reason why Endgame and Avengers went to the quantum realm. Mm. Because quantum mechanics tells us that there literally could be multiple universes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, multiverse. Mm. Where Christopher Nolan's not dealing with that actually, right? Mm. Um, and so he kind of stuck to it on the ground level where that's why it's just kind of rolling forward, but also that it doesn't change like this, uh, this future. It doesn't change what happened now. Mm-hmm. What happened now was because something in the future in backwards happened and what's happened happened. So like things where his, he gets stabbed and then later it shows he got stabbed. Like, like these things, if you keep watching it over and over, if you want to spend three hours of your life watching yeah. it over and over. They do make sense from the, especially the timing of when they start and end, every beginning being an end, but backwards the other way. It is convoluted. Yeah. It is confusing, but it does make sense. It's just the weird, <laughs> I just, the, the fighting backwards thing confused the fuck out of me. Right. Man. That shit was so confusing to me because there was a part in the film too where, I'm, I mean, it's multiple parts, right? Because things that have happened have happened. And it's, it, and it's a glimpse of what they saw from them coming back into the past, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, when the, uh, I forgot her name in the film, but she was the, the mob boss's wife. Yeah. Cat. Uh, yeah. So, Super tall lady. Exactly. <laughs> so, she's, um, she has that glimpse of herself jumping into the pool or into the ocean. Right. And for her, it was like, I want to be as free as this woman here. But that was actually her, her. after she had murdered her mob boss Russian husband. Yes. Which was so weird, right? So it's like, that's her and it's not her at the same time. And at this point, my brain was going to explode. I'm like, I don't get what the fuck is happening right now. You know? <laughs> so that event, and this is why it's so, it is convoluted because by the third act, they say, where is he going? Where is he going to go? He's going two weeks from now when he thought he was the happiest, but we had a big fight. Mm. And he's, he would go back there to end his life. So they go back before the movie starts. Yeah. An event that she actually explained earlier in the movie. So they go back to that point to make what happened happen. That it was actually her who had done that. Uh, who, who jumped off. Yeah. And she thought he was cheating on her. Mm-hmm. But actually, that was his future self who went back to the past to go kill himself. Mm-hmm. And she cleaned up. So the thing is, they already won in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. They already won before the movie started. What yeah. happens, 
happens. <laughs> I'm saying, I was like, what the fuck is going on, man? And also, too, um, when they said he's going back to the time that he was the happiest, right? So that version of himself, when he's at that part where he's having a conversation with her, mm. he is the future self that's with him right now. And he doesn't know that she's the future version yeah. of her. Which I was so confused at that point, too, because I thought... So he would have to be moving backwards, kind of. So he's doing the, yeah. In the beginning, of, not beginning, in the middle of the movie, um, when they go start looking for the device, mm -hmm. right? And then they have that whole chase scene, the heist on the street. And then um, you already start seeing this backwards guy, yeah. right? But when he actually starts going backwards is much later, you know, after they have him captured. Yeah. That's when he actually starts going backwards, way after they've already don't finish the heist so when it starts for like him going back it's like the beginning for them it is confusing it is convoluted but from there the bad guy is he keeps going backwards but the good guys for a little bit just to get their feet on the ground start going forward again say uh go back to the arms they'd be like hey why'd you do that why'd you tell me to do this and that then they decide okay so it looks like he's keep going back and they go chase him to the past. You know what's so weird too? When I, whenever I watch time travel films, it always makes me think about, and I know I don't really have, I don't really have too many regrets, right? Because I, I typically believe that everything happens for a reason. Right. Right. There's, there's bad things, there's good things, and all these events that happen in your life lead to an end result that you can't replicate if you went back in time and you try to change, right? right. Whether it's where I am now with this podcast, where it was with YouTube or everything else, because I can go ahead and say, well, if I went back in time, I would probably do this content instead and do this, this, and that. Right. But you never really know what the outcome is, right? Because there's so many variables. Right. But then I always think too, it's like what, because Mariel and I and also her best friend had a conversation about, if you could go back in time and there were three things that you would change, what, what, what would they be? And I had to really think about that. I'm like, mm. well, I don't know. Because all the stuff that I might think that I didn't like now or at that time that I would have changed, who knows what the end result would have been. You, you who know, would you be now? Who exactly. Would who would I be now, right? Would I be here? Maybe I'd still be living in Sacramento. Maybe I would have never pursued this career in comedy. Um, a, a lot of the stuff, like for example, too, I think a lot of people want to think about changing something that'll make them more rich, that'll right. give them more money. But then at the same time, I also think about a lot of the struggles that I had also developed the way that I think now. Right. And if I didn't, if I had that money and if I had that comfort, it I would be a completely different person. Those struggles are, are the thing that help mold the way that I think and how I view life in general. You know? So everything when I look about when I look back and I say I want to change this, it usually has to do with wealth. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, no, of course. It's like, what would you do? I would go back when Bitcoin was a dollar. Yeah, invest in Apple when it was seven cents. Yeah. That's <laughs> those are the things yeah. that I think about, right? But who who fucking knows what would have happened, you know? Yeah, I think more or less this movie, like I said, doesn't um so as it goes on, you think that they got to go in the past to change the future, right? But it already happened. It already happened. That's the difference about this time travel movie is that what they found out their job was is to make what's happened happen. Yeah. <laughs> not change the past to change the future, not change anything. No. Ensure what's happened happens. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's different about it, I believe. And a lot of people might have a hard time wrapping their head around that like oh then where's the whole like wh where's the satisfaction of saving the world 
yeah right kind of thing um because oh now this future is so great or whatever but in actuality if you think about like back to the future 2 he goes back to that shitty 1985 right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact of the matter in that reality is that it still exists yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> people yeah. still suffer and live in that reality that's what the quantum mechanic like multiverse thing is about mm-hmm. while christopher nolan in this one like i said it's more of a job it's just this what how it affects here in this reality and this universe is that what's happened happened you can't even change it if you went to the past because of the paradox i think that's one of the things yeah, that yeah, he, yeah. the grandfather paradox yeah it's one of those things he's trying to break visually what is the grandfather paradox it's if i went to the past and murdered your harabaji would mm. you be alive by mm. right it's the sarah connor thing it's yeah. like they're trying to kill her to you know make sure this is john connor yeah. yeah it's it's kind of like that pretty much which we don't know because we don't time travel yeah yeah and the the motivation for the future people who want to destroy the past is that they're hedging their bets that they'll survive. Yeah. The multiverse, whatever theory, that the past will destroy, but we exist in this universe. So they're they're relying on quantum mechanics that their future was sustained because they live in a place where they destroyed the past. Oh, that's so confusing. Yeah. (laughs) I know, I know. That's why it's hard for people to eat, but I fucking, I love this movie. And it's the it's explanation hard, is like, probably just as confusing as the fucking film, man. It like, is. That is so hard to wrap my fucking head around, man. Now I have to go watch it again. It was meant to. It was meant to be watched again and again and again. And look, I've seen it five, six times now. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's but that's what I love about movies. If you got to go see it again and it didn't incept you, but you want to be incepted. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. If, if, you could, if you could go back in time, what are three things that you would change? Shit. Let's say let's say this. High school, college, adulthood. High school, um, I'll try I'll stop trying so hard. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all, bro? Yeah, I was trying to stop being so hard, stop being so funny, stop being so like unique. <laughs> yeah. Stop being so like identified as an artist and knowing what being what people describe me as. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's that's high school. Pretty Isn't that so weird in high school? You try so hard to be different that you turn out to not be different. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like everybody fucking else. Because yeah. everybody else is trying to try so hard to be unique. You're yeah. literally a carbon copy of everybody in your class. Right. Which is such a weird thing to think about. Where it's like, oh, so everyone now wears the same kind of jeans. Yeah. When one person did, all of us. And if everyone's doing it, then... Is it cool? <laughs> yeah, how cool is it? How unique is yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, the high school society is is confusing, but it's one of those things like I lived through what I did, but honestly, if I could, if I could in high school, I would ask to move somewhere else. Really? And go to some other high school. Why, why you hated your high school? I fucking hated it. I would have rather been somewhere else for sure. What, oh, this was the high school that you had to deal with a lot of fucking racist yeah. white people, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there was even a point <laughs> my uncle offered my mom to adopt me. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he had two daughters. He really wanted a son real bad. And then me <laughs> being the middle child or whatever, is like, hey, why didn't you come stay with us? Like, hey, uh, <laughs> you don't really care about that yeah, one. So, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, give him to me. My mom actually talked to my dad about it. And he was like, fuck, you got this. <laughs> His dad's like, what are you asking? <laughs> yeah. 
the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Benny had his own son, and that kid is super spoiled. So, I mean, but like, yeah, because that event had happened, I, I do think a lot about what if I was just adopted by my uncle? Yeah. My, my dad was too, right? Yeah. I thought a lot about that too. You probably would have been more fucked up, to be honest with you. Because hmm. this is a man who wanted a son so bad. He would have spoiled the shit out of you. Oh, yeah. And what the fuck happens to every fucking spoiled kid that we know? The way my cousin turned out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Little fucking shit bags. You know, when you everything know? is given to you. Man, we had this very interesting conversation where me and Joe had this conversation, right? And we, we see this a lot with um, everybody that we're around. Because I, I think that when you're... When you grew up with nothing, right, there's this idea, and it's an idea that our parents had too, right. where when we have this child, we're going to make sure that they have everything that we didn't, right? That's That seems to be the parental end game. Like, yeah. that's the end goal, right? But I think there's this other equation that this is what me and Joe agree about, where I think we kind of convolute um, material wealth, giving your child material wealth versus knowledge. Right. 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 Because I don't think the material wealth is the part that would have made my life easier as a kid. It's knowledge that would have made it a lot easier. Right. Right. And that's usually like the key to success for a lot of these people. It's never so much that you pass down generational wealth because what happens to a younger generation, and I'm pretty, I think, I mean, there's, I think there's studies about this shit too. This is not just me thinking about this out of thin air, um, where there's uh, people who grew up with a lot of stuff, right? Their their cap for excitement is already at an all time high because right. everything is given to them. That's why they have to go die on the fucking Himalayan mountains. Exactly, <laughs> go to Mount Everest and fucking that, die. That's why you have these CEOs yeah. who fucking get dominatrices to come right. in, step on their fucking balls because yeah. they, they, they need to feel something, yeah. right? Because they are at the top of the food chain. Mm. Think about this: when you were younger, right? Think about some of the happiest moments that you've ever had in your life. And was it because things were given to you or because you fucking earned it? It was because you earned mm. it, right? Like those few, like here's here's a great example. I remember the first time I ever got a brand new pair of Air Maxes, right? Right, And I remember this, this Air Max that I had that had like these green bubbles on the inside. And I thought that shit was the dopest thing on earth. Right. And I also knew that with this shoe, I wasn't going to get another one until this shit was worn out. Until that shit was going to be flat. Like these bubbles had a pop for me to get new shoes, right? right? But there's this moment of anticipation that I have to get this new shoe. And when I get that new shoe again, it feels just as good as I got it the first time. Mm. Well, now take this whole equation out and say, well, yeah, these are just givens. Everything that I own, everything that I have, everything that I quote unquote earn is a given. It's not the thing that I have to work for. That joy is gone. Right. I mean, the kids who get cars at 16. Yeah. What happens to those cars? They get trashed. They get trashed. There's no there's no value in something yeah. that you didn't have to work for. And I know that sometimes people think it's like, well, why do you want your kids to struggle? Well, why is earning something in your life considered a struggle? Why? Mm. Why is that ever considered a struggle? Why is it not considered this is a part of life? And it's a part of life that you should enjoy when you earn things and you make things for yourself. Now, mm. you can see it, and everybody can see this in celebrity kids too. Yeah. Why the fuck are these celebrity kids try? Why do they try so fucking hard to be different? Why is it that their identity is, I'm something different? I'm this, this person who thinks about existentialism. I'm this person who has to fucking blow crack out of my asshole and blow into somebody <laughs> else's asshole. Even though they grew up with millions. Exactly. Yeah. Like they mm. have to prove how different mm. they are. Their, their way, their, 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 
their sense of excitement is so much different because everything was given to them. Right. You know, it's it's super weird. And we've seen this multiple times over. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine where he was talking to me, his kid. He goes, I want to make sure that my kids have everything. So whenever they want a toy, daddy's going to get that toy. Daddy's going to make, you want to eat this, daddy's going to make sure you eat this. And I asked him, I was like, well, why do you want to do that? He's like, because I didn't grow up with much. So I want to make sure my kids have everything so they're successful. And I was like, hey, you're successful. Yeah. So what did your parents fuck up on so bad that you think that you're not going to give to your kid? Mm. What I wish that I had in terms of what my parents could give me was it's not wealth. Is that if they were given access to a lot of stuff like knowledge, it would have been easier for me. Oh, 100%. Scholarships. Right. Education. How to apply for bank, all this other stuff. How do you even apply to college? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have this knowledge. Because our parents didn't yeah, know. I took ESL classes in kindergarten. I'm born oh, in this country, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take ESL classes. because That's crazy. M- my parents didn't speak English. Yeah. And so I grew up, uh, what, four years in, in home, and then they sent me to public school. <laughs> I didn't speak any English. That's crazy. I grew up in K-Town. That's hilarious, <laughs> dude. And then, like, yeah, I could have been one of those, oh my God, yeah, hey, welcome to K-Town. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could have been one of those guys. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. I remember those. Yeah, so, like, they pull out flashcards. Mm-hmm. Ah, ah, A. <laughs> B, B, B. <laughs> That's fucking crazy, yeah, that dude. Shit. No, for sure. Knowledge. Had my parents known better about even the law. <laughs> yeah the constitution how the government works or whatever all these things it's uh it, we kind of live with the immigrant mentality still right just mm-hmm. kind of scraping while we can but i do kind of wish i just knew everything legitimately like most of my white friends do you just yeah. get it right their their biggest leverage is the fact that they had knowledge mm. so what i'm telling like some of these people and i'm and i'm seeing this a lot with certain parents that i like that i feel like i'm going to try to mimic is that they have the same advice too. It's like, it's not about giving them the material things that you felt like you didn't have when you were a kid. It's about the knowledge. And it's also about the time that you give your kids. Right. Because when we were younger, our parents couldn't give us that time. They were at the store all day. Exactly. 15 hours and we'd just be home like waiting mm-hmm. for them to come home. It's the relationship. It's the conversation. That's the stuff that's important. So like for me, when people say like, okay, well, when you make a, a gratuitous amount of money, right? Or you you become rich or something else. He goes, you want to make sure your kids have all this stuff? Absolutely not. I'm going to give them what they need. If they want nice things, I'm pretty sure. But they're going to have to earn it just like everybody else. Because I would hate to have a child who thinks that everything in life is supposed to be given to them. And it's not true. It's just not. It's going to be hard for me because, you know, I want to. Because I I say this now with somebody who doesn't have a kid. Right. So I know how difficult it is not to give your child something or somebody you love something when you have the means to do it. Oh, for sure. I mean, the whole reason why I told you why my dad went to prison. Yeah. I want to buy you PMW. <laughs> you know? What? What? Yeah, I mean, he had the wrong idea for yeah. sure. I found that out. I mean, I was fucking, how old was I? Like 15 when he told me? Yeah. No, actually, I was like 17. You know? I was like, God, that's not what I wanted, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it was for sure. It's just like, I wish you spoke better English. You know, I, I'm not going to blame you for not. <laughs> yeah. But I wish, you know, for everything you do know, I wish you told me to. My dad didn't really pass me off a lot of like knowledge let's say yeah yeah um I like i found out later like he's a big 49ers fan <laughs> what the fuck yeah he, he likes like uh he was a dodgers fan like all this shit my dad didn't share that shit with me at all of course it's my crazy, brother's like, you know you know Appa was a 49ers fan i'm like huh <laughs> yeah he didn't share his life with me you know 
in in, in the same case, look, uh, I didn't I didn't get a whole lot of shit growing up either. Yeah. So, uh, Tora and Ben got laptops, desktops, Game Boys, uh, PlayStation, Nintendo, Nintendo sixty four, PlayStation two, Xbox. You know these things. I didn't. I grew up in a really weird household where my brother and sister got this stuff and I didn't. So when you when you Wait, say why? like, it was just Christmas time. Everybody had all these uh, boxes to unwrap, oh, yeah. and then you just got an ass whooping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I have a December birthday. You know, so my oh my, my god, my birthday present is my Christmas gift. It's like, you know what you get to open yeah. for Christmas? A can of whoop ass. You don't. <laughs> Some Christmases, literally, <laughs> like my my siblings have a present. They're like, you already had a present on your birthday, <laughs> like stuff like that. God damn. Yeah. So I mean, like, I have a PlayStation because I make money and I bought my own. Yeah. But tell you what, some days I just I'm not obsessed with it. I don't feel like playing. I actually mm-hmm. get tired of it. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't have too many. I don't have a lot of like toys and trinkets and like things that kind of like kept, keep me going. I buy like a top of the line thing and just preserve it and keep it forever. (laughs) I'm more like in that way because I didn't get much. Yeah. But it didn't like having that stuff. Didn't make me better or worse. Not having that stuff, I believe didn't make me better or worse either. To be honest. Mm -hmm. Now it was weird that they treated me differently. (laughs) Yeah. But as far as how I turned out, to be honest, it didn't change the way my life is. Just the way I feel. Mm-hmm. Like we're a little six-year-old kid inside. It's so hurt that he didn't get yeah. you know, this and that. Which I'm, I get it, and I, I grow up over kind of thing. I've have had to deal with that stuff, but generally, like I definitely get it. Like giving somebody all this shit too. Like I see the spoiledness and the entitlement that comes out of it, and things that they deserve and things that they envy. So, like just like in Tenet, the whole thing about. The, his motivation was like, if I can't have you as my wife, then fuck everyone, fuck them, right? And mm-hmm. that turned to be his motivation. If I can't live, then fuck the world. I'm gonna, everything needs to go. There are people like that who are incredibly entitled and envious over the dumbest things. Well, that's why I also hate this huge trend where I see it so fucking much. And it's usually the trashiest fucking human beings that like to talk like this. They they like to call each other or their kids or their daughters, their sons and daughters or whatever, kings and queens. <laughs> it's like, this is my king. How is that your fucking king? Yeah. And why are these kids growing up with the idea that they're fucking royalty? Right. They don't even know how to fucking shit in the toilet yet. Fuck these kids, yeah. right? <laughs> Fuck your kids. Cause I, and I say this too because I have a lot of friends who are educators. And they said that it's really hard when their parents gas their kids up so much to the right. point they're, they're, they're convoluting being supportive of your kids and then giving them a fucking big head. And get, showing their potential. Yeah. Be, and and like what they could be and convoluting it with a fucking fairy tale. Mm-hmm. You're king. You're going to be a king one day. Hey, there's no such thing as kings. In You're in the United name. States of fucking yeah. America, dude. There's no fucking royalty here. You're not yeah. a king. I'll tell you what. My parents did that to us. Mm. They told us that my grandma grew up uh, in the palace in Korea, which is semi-true. My my great-grandfather was some sort of politician or some yeah. shit. But then when we said, oh, so that are we princes? And my parents like, yeah. And I ran around thinking, I'm a Korean prince. <laughs> Fuck you. <Yeah. laughs> Fuck you. I'll tell you what. That lie didn't help me or do me any good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish my parents didn't tell me that. I kind of like shudder. Like, why did I go around telling people I was a Korean prince? 
You know, dude. Remember in my sassy girl, when they when they had that moment, he goes, "Never tell your kids that they're smart." Right, right, and that's that's the problem too, right? It's like you have, it's like you're smart like your dad. You so it's like you're, <laughs> you're you got your smarts from me, so you should be even smarter than I am. Yeah, you know, because you start becoming a lazy shit right. because you think that knowledge is given to you now. You're so fucking smart, you don't have to study, you don't have to do anything. Right. Just, things are just supposed to be the way that it is, and they're they're thinking. And I truly believe this, that you really think that when you keep calling your kids kings and queens or whatever, that you're boosting up their self-esteem. But what you're doing is you're actually making them fucking, um, they're not living in the same world that everybody else is. You can do it by telling them that they're important and their feelings matter and that they're good people. But right. to say that they're this this royalty is, is ridiculous. And I know people are going to say, those are just words, David. They do something positive for the kid. But I'm telling you, it's not. And this is coming from the mouth of people who are young educators, who are elementary school teachers that have to deal with these fucking kids. And it's that idea where they walk and they're like, I'm a queen. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> it's like, who the fuck told you this shit? Mommy and daddy told me this. <laughs> Can I tell you some fucked up story? Yeah. So I was at... This this is way back. It was like ten years ago. I was at this get together with church people, right? And it was a new church I'm trying out. And I don't know where the conversation went, but I was like, dude, I met somebody named Precious the other day. I was like, dude, that's ridiculous. Why would you name your kid Precious? That sets him up for failure. Yeah. Right. And I was like, like, seriously, who would name their kid perfect? That's <laughs> dumb. Uh-huh. And then someone's like, Oh, uh, Pastor's daughter's name is perfect. Get the fuck out of here. I'm never coming back. (laughs) So if you had that time machine, what? (laughs) (laughs) I I, I mean, if it was tenant rules, I'd be going backwards to myself. You wouldn't understand what I'm saying. (laughs) You have to figure out a way to say shut the fuck up backwards. (laughs) Seriously. So if you had a time machine, yeah. that's the moment. It's one of those moments for sure. Name their kid fucking perfect. Perfect. That yeah. bitch got bullied. Possibly. That, I that don't bitch know. got bullied her whole I life. I going after that because I felt like an idiot. Dude, I would have just laughed my ass off. Dude. <laughs> I literally would have laughed my fucking ass off. But it's I, real, man. Dude, I've had some weird ass church moments, man. There's actually, I'll tell this story. I I, had, I didn't want to tell this story because I was going to put it into a film, but I'll tell it either <laughs> okay. way. It doesn't fucking matter. It, it'll be in the film either yeah. way. So when I was, when I went to UC, uh, my the UC that I went to, right? Mm. A little too specific at the time. I went to multiple colleges, yeah. so I don't want to embarrass this person. But there was somebody that I knew from Sacramento that went over to the uh, the college that I went to. Right, he yeah. came a little bit later. Yeah, so he was trying to get me to join their praise team, mm-hmm. and so I did. Um, me being a good Christian boy, I was like, okay, let me get, let me go to this this church here. At the time, I didn't want to go to a Korean church because I didn't like Korean churches, mm. but I was willing to give this a try because of him. So they wanted me to join the praise team. Um, I didn't really get along with the the main praise leader. He was kind of like a douchebag, right. and in my mind, I'm just like, bro, if it wasn't for the love of God, I would smash your fucking teeth in. <laughs> Cause he was like one of those dudes. He was, you could tell he's a major church opa. Mm. Like he loves kind of showing how strong and powerful he is, how much leadership he has, how much God loves How many God. chairs he can hold. Exactly. How many folding chairs watch, he can move. Watch me fucking do this table by myself. <laughs> <laughs> you little stupid bitch. Yeah. But there was this moment where the, he would lead a s- small group and <laughs> the pastor was there as well. And he wanted to meet some of the new praise team members. And so he's leading the small group, the pastors there as well. 
and we got to this moment where we're trying we're supposed to have this moment where we we talk to each other and we what what is that part where you kind of tell stuff about yourself what do you call testimony that? testimony You're so right. everybody is giving their testimony right yeah. and i'm giving a very small version of my stuff because i don't know these people i don't want them yeah. to know everything about me and so this guy is about to come up he's about to give his testimony here's the thing i know him <laughs> I know him very well. And there's a whole other backstory to it that I won't go into. But long story short, with this guy, he tells a story about how he tried to kill himself, <laughs> right? I know the backstory to this, to this, right? Uh-huh. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, why is he going to tell the story? But he starts going into this and he, he goes, so like, oh, <laughs> he has a Korean accent, by the way. So this dude, uh, born in the States, yeah. move back to Korea, move back to the States, move back to Korea, move back to the States. Uh, so he has a thick Korean accent, yeah. can't speak Korean or English well. Ooh, the worst situation damn. ever. So he's like, so <laughs> I want to tell you guys, like, I tried to cure myself. <laughs> so he's telling the story and he goes, so I jumped, I, I jumped out of a window and I tried to cure myself and I broke my leg and I survived, <laughs> right? And the pastor looks at him and he says, well, why'd you try to kill yourself? He goes like, because I felt like I couldn't do anything right. And I went, I went, and the pastor looks at me. He goes, are you laughing? Why are you laughing? I was like, you got to admit, it's kind of funny that the reason why he's trying to kill himself because he can't do anything right, but he can't kill himself. (laughs) And then the room goes silent and the pastor looks at me. I shit you not, starts dying laughing. Oh, no. He starts cracking the fuck up. Starts, <laughs> and then the room starts dying laughing. And I'm, you know me, when I'm laughing, I'm laughing yeah. my ass yeah. off, dude. Yeah. I was like, how fucking ironic is this shit? Yeah. That fool hasn't talked to me in almost 10 years. <laughs> it's been a long time. He, was, he stopped being a part of the praise team. And he never came back out. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I, look, I told my story on JK. Mm-hmm. Similar story. Everyone laughed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I meant it to be funny. Honestly, yeah. it is funny. Yeah. I think the problem is that couldn't he couldn't see it that way. He took it too personally. Well, because he was trying to do this whole... You know when p- some people in church, when they do their testimony, you could tell they're trying to get a dramatic reaction from everybody. Mm-hmm. He starts off, and I shit you fucking not, and I leave these details out a lot because it's not important to the story, but you'll hear a lot of people, if you go to church, you know what I'm talking about, where somebody's about to give their testimony, they go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> How do I know? How do I know this? You know this. Guys, you guys, the, the fucking ear on the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah. Cut, cut the dramatic acting out. Just tell yeah. your fucking testimony, bitch. Because now you're trying to, you're trying to create a tearjerker. Aren't you talking about like the same reason? Like because a lot of us has given, have been given a lot. Yeah. Right. And perhaps being around so many suburbanites where we see other privileged kids and everyone is just as basic as each other. That you, you said they got to be unique. Yeah. They got to have something else. And maybe they thought fucked up stories is the way that they can relate to. He doesn't it. really have much problems either. His father's mm-hmm. a very, he owns like a very prominent law firm in Korea. Yeah. So this kid is a little rich kid. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to one up people's testimonies. It's like, bro, you ain't got to do all that. Just tell who you are. This is a moment for us to get to know each other. Like I could have gone into that story and said, hey, like I grew up in a pretty fucked up family. My parents used to beat the shit out of me. I, you yeah. know, all this other stuff. But that's not really what it's for. It's just me telling a little bit about who I am, where right. I'm from, where I want to go. 
and that it's very nice to meet people. But this fool over here, you would have thought there was a spotlight on him. <laughs> you know, and he's holding up an empty skull like it's Shakespeare. Like, bitch, tell your fucking story. I've been in that situation where um, I felt pressured to talk about things that I want to talk about mm -hmm. because I went to this Bible study meeting for a church here in L.A. Okay, and then there was like a good amount of people, some around less than 10, though. But um, the leader of the Bible study started like telling about her abusive past you know, and getting really open about it and crying about like what happened to her. And it was, it was bad, you know, but being very open and honest about it and just saying exactly what she's living through and how she's dealing with it. Right. I'm like, Wow. Right. And then she goes, all right, now, why don't you guys pour, you know, pair up and talk about your traumas with each other? What the fuck? I don't know anybody here. <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell him, like, what the fuck I'm going through. <laughs> you just yeah. sit, you sit down, you look at him. So my dad sold meth. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, where, where do I, I go? Begin? Yeah. You know. Why, how is this going to serve you, help you, or even let you know where I'm coming from? Like, yeah, I was just like, I went into my little group. It was like three of us dudes because the rest of them were like women. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, guys, I'm not going to tell you anything. All right, and they're like, "Me too." I'm not gonna say anything. Right? Yeah, okay. like, this is weird. <laughs> and then we hear like other people in the group like, <laughs> like crying, and we're just like, "No, we're not gonna do that." It's very weird too, because there are certain people who kind of they kind of take advantage of the whole religious system mm. to either make them feel better about what they're going through rather than trying to help other people out, right. right? And there have been parts of like Christianity that I've, you know, that I've never really participated in that mm. seems more cultish than more Christian. Right. It happens when they break you down mm -hmm. into nothing. So you know you're a sinner, you think you're worthless, and you're going to hell. Yeah. The other side of that being is the cultish part is happens when they put you down, then lift you up under their rules. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got lost in that a lot. <laughs> See, and that, that's yeah. the thing too. And I think when it came to this, my father was a pastor. Yeah. So I grew up with the religion my whole life, right? Mm. It's, it's not something that's very foreign to me. Mm. But it, it almost seemed when I went to some of these other church events, they were trying to get me to a breaking point. Right. Because they would do this where they would put the hand on the shoulder, let me pray for you. What are you going through? And I'm like, life's really good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm great. Yeah, I'm great. <laughs> I'm fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But they wouldn't get that. And so there's like, oh, you're not willing to accept God. Right. It's like, it's not that I'm not willing to accept God. You need God. to break that heart, you know, break that ice cold heart, break those callous layers, all the <laughs> Christianese, right? Yeah. yeah. Christianese, bro. That's yeah. exactly what it is. <laughs> your heart is callous right now. Yeah. And you need God to enter your life right now and break you free from these chains. Right. Right. But I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't want to hear that. Yeah. And so that's where it became really problematic at me where... I looked like I was the problem person. Mm. And it's not that I looked at them like they were stupid. It's just, oh, you got to move on to somebody else. Yeah. I'm here for God. I'm here, you know, I'm I'm kind of good. Yeah. You know, my relationship with my parents might not be that great, but that's not information that you're privy to yet. I'm, I don't know you like that. You know, mm. but when we have these huge groups, they have that thing where they're, 
people are bawling and they're crying and they break them down and they go, well, in order for you to be happy, these are the steps that you have to follow now, which that's the part that bothered me. That's not how Christianity works. Yeah. It's that the idea is that you've been set free, mm -hmm. even though you've, despite the way you feel, you know, and instead they start twisting it towards rather than, um, let's just be Christian here mm -hmm. and talk about the freedom of Jesus on the cross and what that does for you yeah. and what that means in the gospel. Instead, it means now you got to abide by our rules. Now you have to be institutionalized. You don't bow down to the throne, bow down to our institution and not do it this way. Uh, post on your social media this way and drink th this way, eat this way, live this way. And then they parent to you. Yeah. That's when you know it's fucked up. Is yeah. that liberation? Is that really freedom? It's yeah. like fr truly free indeed? No. It, it was just a weird experience for me. And I think I grew up in such a, in a, in a different, in a different like uh, uh, Christian environment mm. that when I went to college and there was these, you know, these Christian groups in the school that were like that, right. it, it bothered me. It irritated me. Mm. It made me want to go back to my church. I was like, this is not what I'm used to. I'm used to people allowing, they say, hey, if you want to come, feel free. If you don't right. feel comfortable, that's okay. There's always next week. You know, mm. there was no pressure. There was, <laughs> there was no, hey, what's wrong with your heart? They never pointed fingers. And so when I went into some of these small groups, and I'm pretty sure other people have experienced this as well, yeah. it made me feel like there was something wrong here. You know, this isn't it. I grew up under that hard pressure Christianity about like your fucking righteousness, your good deeds, the looks, the Korean style yeah. of Christianity of how good you look. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of, that's the whole reason with going to, you know, Iraq. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that, Yo, shout out to that yeah. comment, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, it was just like being like, what the fuck is this really about, man? Um, mm -hmm. Like all of these church rules, when you kind of travel, you start realizing they only apply to Korean American church. Yeah. That's a small fucking sect of people. We're like, why do we behave this way? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. what was funny? Um, somebody, somebody said this one thing that was very profound to me. Yeah. And it kind of made me think. They go, I, was, I, used to, I used to be that dude in high school that would have that really popular Christian book. Mm. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I think it had a burgundy cover on it. Oh, I can't. It was I, super popular. It was like blue, the, like jazz or something. Or? It was the most popular Christian book out there. It was it uh, purpose driven life. Purpose driven oh, life. Shit. Okay. <laughs> purpose fucking driven life. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I used to get. I used to have copies of that shit. I used to give that out to people. Well, you know what? I had, I had a book like that too that changed my life. It was uh, it's called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. I used to buy copies and give it out to people. Yeah. Too. I was like, hey, you should read this. And I gave it to a couple of people. And then somebody fucking said something to me that irritated me. But later on, I was like, damn, that's actually something I should think about. Right. Go, oh, so what's like the whole Christian? And they weren't trying to attack me or anything. Right. I took offense to it because I'm a young person. When I get challenged, the first thing I want to do is be defensive. Mm. So they said, oh, yeah. Like, so do you think Christians are religious people who are really about what they do like they're they're like the most hardcore and loving and i was like yeah i think so like when people love christ like they follow through with it they go cool i was like well have you and he said well have you heard of like buddhist monks who would light themselves on fire for believing in what they believe and i'm like he goes would you do it i'm like shit <laughs> you know i'm like oh shit you know, yeah. like, oh, I, I I don't know. And I'm like, no, that's completely different. He goes, no, that's not different. Like, that's real shit. Right. Like, would you light yourself on fire? And then he started bringing up, like, the Muslim religion. Right. He goes, you know, Muslims, they wake up 
before dawn and they pray till the fucking sun comes up or the sun goes right. down. Right. And heard that shit every morning. Yeah. In in, in Iraq. Mm-hmm. The they get on a microphone and it goes, ah, yeah. And that's when you know you have to get up and pray. Like that's shit. They they do it daily. Yeah. yeah and this this guy, he was like a hardcore he was he was um agnostic right and so he's like there are other religions out there that i don't see them devoting themselves as much as christians do mm. i say i see them being very prosperous but if you look at the muslim religion he goes think about even buddhism where they where they bow like yeah. a thousand fucking times in the morning and he started right. giving me the examples and i'm like I'm trying to get socked bro <laughs> in the name of jesus yeah. christ trying to get socked. but he did have a point here you know that yeah. i that i you know i was all about this christ life but it turns out that guy actually knew more about the religion that I was trying to tell people than I knew about myself. Yeah. Which was crazy to me. Oh, yeah. And that's when I was like, hey, boy, you better start reading this Bible. Because <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker who's agnostic, um, he believes like in a higher being. Yeah. But doesn't believe in religion in, a, in and of itself, knows more about your religion than you do. And you're the one over here trying to give people this purpose-driven life book. Right. You know? Right. And that's the kind of thing I was having a crisis with, was my integrity. Because... Of the very thing you said was just like these Buddhists are hardcore, these these Muslims are hardcore. Um, like what am I doing with my life? You know? Yeah. And the mis- I, I'd say one this was kind of a mistake that kind of radicalized me. I started reading books on Christian martyrs, like thick, like this is like thick ass book of all these stories. That's a book I would avoid. Yeah. <laughs> like being like, if it came down to it. You know, if there was a gun in my head, would I profess Jesus? You know, like, and I was wanted to live that life and be about that. So that's why I started digging deep and trying to be about it. Then I realized, like, it's not the works. It's not about the shit I've done that says, oh, he's a real Christian. Because the Bible will tell you that's not what Christianity is, is either, right? I've had to believe in God in the first place to have to believe that he's going to keep me safe out there. You know, I've done other things. Look, did I tell you about the time I walked three, four days straight, 60 miles, no food, no water, no extra clothes, the backpack, and I walked 60 miles in the Shigos of Korea just preaching the gospel, <laughs> begging for food and water? Why? Because I had to prove I'm, I'm Christian. This is what Jesus commanded in Luke. That's he told he sent out the same. How did you survive that, dude? I survived because I believed in God. I really think Jesus is real. He's going to take care of me, and he did. Let's say that. That's crazy. I don't got that. I did most. that shit three times. Three different years. I did it again <laughs> and again a year after. Dude, your feet must have been fucking oh, yeah. aching. Dude. They hurt like a motherfucker. Dude, I, I trust in the Jesus. <laughs> how many miles were you walking per day? I'm going to say about, could be about, man, 15 to 20. Who That's knows? crazy, dude. Because when I was doing my walks earlier, like two years ago, like every day, I was doing like 10 miles. Yeah. And then my feet would have a heartbeat. Yeah. Because they were <laughs> pulsing. They told us each time, it's 100 kilometers. 100 kilometers. That's 60 miles, right? And you just walk around. Like, Hello. Yeah. Whatever. In, in a town I walk by, anybody I come across, just be like, I just say, do you have any water? Because I don't have water. Mm-hmm. Do you have any food or whatever? And they just be like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm with the Korean group too anyways. And then we just start 
talk to people and just tell them what we're up to. And did you ever convert them. anybody like that? Or they were just like, yeah, Michinoma. Like, what are you doing? I think it was in their head. You know how Koreans, it was very, yeah, seki, but then yeah. they fed us. They treated us so well. They made sure we were going to be okay. Even at a restaurant, we came by, we were just like, hey, uh, we don't have any food. We're just kind of pilgriming. <laughs> and this restaurant just gave up fat bowl of fried rice because it was whatever he had wow you know? and then other people here have some subak here have some how chige. kind of people dude? oh yeah i i'd go to we go to a church knock on the door be like um we've just been walking can we sleep here tonight all right come on in eat and then they feed us and then we'd sleep there and then we'd be on our way in the morning wow one time we were walking and we, you know in korea all these churches have red like the mm-hmm. online like, crosses, the, right? Yeah. And it, we didn't see one for fucking hours. We were freaking the fuck out. We were like, where the fuck are we where there's no red crosses in Korea? Yeah. Is Jesus yeah. real? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. And we kept going and going. And it was like 12 or midnight. We finally found a church. This pastor was so angry at us. And he was not welcoming. He was like, what the hell are you guys doing here? Why didn't you call me ahead and say you were coming? And we we're like, we, we're just coming by town. And he's like, just not like, you're not welcome, but you should sleep here. Whatever. Pastor said that. And we're sitting there. It's like 1, almost 2 a.m. We're tired as fuck. We go back to the Bible and read exactly what Jesus says when you go out and do this task. If you're not welcome, dust this, dust this, <laughs> dust off your feet and go to the next town. Wow. And we fucking did it. We just left. And we kept walking till like 4 in the morning until we finally found another church with a big white cross instead. It's like four in the morning. We knock. And this guy, he opens up. What are you guys doing? He's kind of freaked out. We're like, oh, we're just walking or whatever. And he was just up for Sebekido. Wow. He woke up to pray and we are just looking to sleep. So these kind of things just kind of happened. And we lived, survived. We weren't in any serious trouble. But it tested my faith to be desperate for God. You know, that's the kind of Christianity I lived. Like fucking this shit is real kind of christian that's crazy yeah that's, that's fucking kind of nuts dude <laughs> and there's like there's i just shared fucking this hedokido he's just like come in come in yeah and most of the place it was just one church where this pastor was a fucking dick but generally everyone else was just like all right i'm in and you know that's fucking tested my faith tested really like how much i what it means to rely on god when you pray what are you really praying about Instead of just stupid bullshit prayers before yeah, you eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know how you pray before you meal? Dear God, thank you for this student. Jesus name or amen, right? How did you know my exact yeah. prayer? Yeah. <laughs> That's my exact prayer. Instead, but if you've been like fucking desperate, you're like, oh my, this really incredible gratitude, appreciation. But isn't thanks. that so interesting too? It's just... I mean, that's a very extreme form of what we were talking about yes, yeah. when it comes it, it to- It is extreme. It's, sure. it's, it's that form of not having that allows you to be grateful for right. what you do receive. Mm. That is the part that I think a lot of people are missing. Just this concept of a phone, yeah. right? Instant knowledge. This is a world of instant gratification. And when we don't get instantly gratified from things, we think that something is wrong with the apparatus, not us. Right. Right. It's there's something wrong with you that you feel that you are entitled to be instantly gratified with everything that you do. Like we're kind of complaining about Facebook algorithms now, but at the same time, you don't have to be on Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's a hundred percent true. You yeah. know, and it's it's weird when I think about that too, where it, 
like your story is very fucking extreme. You guys are fucking full blown idiots. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at the same time, at the same time, those are the experience that you take with you where you get to live, live this eye of, of graciousness. Yes. You get to be very grateful for the things that you have. Yeah. This is why I would take these kids on Mexico mission trips. And that's the easiest one. Right. And even then they couldn't even handle that shit. Right. You know, it was hard for them. Did you ever hear this story? Uh, I feel like every Christian kid might have heard this story, but it's a story about the, I think it was either Russian or Chinese, right? But it's somewhere where Christianity is banned. And Mm -hmm. these soldiers uh, came in into this church, right? This is a church that was a rinky-dink church that they're not supposed to set up because it's against the law. And if you're caught worshiping Jesus Christ, you're supposed to fucking die. Yeah. And so these soldiers come in and he tells, they... They fucking have guns. They tell everybody to get on the floor, get on their knees. They throw a Bible to the floor mm. and they tell everybody to spit on the Bible. Right. I read that story in that really big book. Yes. Yeah, that, you know what I mean? I know this story. That's the story that every Christ, Korean Christian church would tell us yeah. to see like what you're really about. And tell about that one girl, the little girl who walked up, took her hair down and started wiping the spit away with her hair. Right. Right. And that was the thing that everybody would start bawling and crying. Well, let me tell you about me. When I heard that stuff, I was like, I would have spit on that Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. That's, what I, that's the first thing I thought. And I felt like shit. Why though? Why? Because <laughs> I was like fucking 14. Right. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're telling me the story. And then when the girl was wiping the hair with the spit, I didn't cry. I was like, she's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I was Gross. like, this bitch going to die. Yeah. They're going to kill her. Yeah. And I'm like, so, I'm not about that life. I, I read those stories when I was 16, 17. Yeah. Like, I need to be about that life. Yeah. Right. But then I came down to it and traveled the world and been in some situations, mm-hmm. right? Where you really had to think about what God does care and doesn't care about. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, and it's in this movie called Silence. Uh, have you seen it? No. So last time I was here, I was talking about the Japanese uh, persecution of Christians, right? Yeah. Um, how they brought, about cruci- brought back crucifixion and shit, right? Um, so this movie's mar- made by Martin Scorsese about that in, in the 18, early 1800s in Japan with the Spanish and Dutch like missionaries going to Japan. And it, it starts to really expose you to like, I mean, obviously I related it to so much being a missionary early in my life. But it's about what the fuck is important, you know, like your Jesus cross statue, like your your necklace, Mm -hmm. right? People revere this piece of jewelry way more than they actually do Jesus. Like, yeah, they revere a piece of paper like the Bible more than Jesus himself, right? Like, uh, I was shooting this B-boy event in Seattle and it's at a church called the Vineyard. Everybody goes there all the time. And, um. I didn't have a, a stand for my camera and I needed to get some low shot of these B-boys. So I found some spare Bibles, right? And I laid it on the floor to mount my camera on. And this little B-boy kid, he was like, ooh, ooh, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, it's like people find reverence for things that aren't exactly actually holy. Yeah. You have to say, that's a piece of paper. That's a piece of metal. That's just some fucking water. You know, that's just a piece of bread and that's just wine. You know, I think people get convoluted to on the holiness of an object, the holiness Mm. of an act instead of what does it really mean? Like if you spit on a picture of Jesus, is Jesus going to be like this motherfucker? I'm never going to let you in. Is he? Yeah. Is that the gospel? Yeah. Or did God so love the world despite everything we've already done? Yeah. 
is the gospel the fact that no matter how much a piece of shit we are, is that he still died on the cross and he still won. The idea even that, like the amazing thing about the Bible 2,000 years ago was that they had this concept of an eternity, right? Timelessness out of our Mm -hmm. linear perception of time. Because I just pictured myself in that moment this this Russian or Chinese soldier comes and they break in, right? And like this is how even as a 14, 15 year old, the only thing I thought about was me going <laughs> oh, like that. Yeah. God comes down, he's like, Yeah, you should get <laughs> And I'm just going, I wasn't gonna I swear, I swear to you, I wasn't yeah. gonna do this. You okay. know? But think about it. Let's say you did that, right? Yeah. And you're cool with yourself, like I did it, I'm alive. Who's going to judge you? Jesus? Or the other people at the church. <laughs> yeah. that, that guy spit on Jesus. Yeah. No, you spat on a picture of a white Jesus yeah, 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 <laughs> that yeah. they adopted. I was like, listen, I'll go to live and tell the story another day and then I'll spread the gospel. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. You'd be like, hey, one time I tricked these troops, these Chinese troops. Yeah. They thought that <laughs> I was sinning. It's not a sin. But they didn't know I drank some holy water earlier today, oh, yeah. so I just baptized that Bible. Oh, yeah. It was all clean. It was <laughs> yeah. good. But that's the weird thing. Like, I, I just remember these moments where they're trying to make you feel bad all the time. Yes. Yeah. They'll always try to make me feel bad. And I'm like, where, where's the loving part of this, you know? And, I, you know, I, I, I say this as these are very funny stories to me, you know, <laughs> now. Yeah. Like, and I don't see this happening a lot nowadays. This is something that probably happened in, in, in our generation because now I feel like the, the church is a lot more... They're, they're a little more like, okay, this is traumatizing. Maybe yes. we should cut this shit out. But this is how it was for us growing up, yeah. just hearing these terrible stories. I, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, I participated in that method too, mm-hmm. for sure. Because in my head was like, oh, that's how I got saved. <laughs> yeah. It was that I got yeah. torn down. I had to know I was a sinner. Then a Jesus, the gospel of Jesus had to lift me up. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of the method. I, that's the Calvinist method too. But... Um, I I just don't see how like Christianity in itself can tell you like you're actually a piece of shit, but it's okay. You're gonna go to heaven as a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the gospel. Is that even though you're a piece of shit, you're going to heaven. Then we start realizing when we live with the idea of being shitty all the time, it's not actually healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. help us when we have to rely on this higher power to give us this authority to become better people instead of just being a good person because you have the capability to. Exactly. Just because you can. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that wraps up this episode. We talked about Tenet. We finally talked about Tenet. (laughs) I swear to fucking everything we were going to talk about that film. Let me tell you, that explanation did nothing for me. Yeah. But but if you guys haven't watched this film, watch it and then try understanding what was going on. It's, It's a very... Christopher Nolan is interesting. Layered. Very layered. Yeah. Um, give that a watch. You can find Ed at Ed Park VP. And then, was it uh, your podcast? Uh, Bible Study at Momo. Bible Study at Momo. And we'll see you all next time. Peace. Peace.